The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. May 21st, 2019, and you are tuned into the fastest half hour. Yeah, it's a hard half hour today in sports. Welcome to HTM Sports. My name's not Jargo. That's the real RBV. Rick, say hello to the people. It's me. It's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery. And uh, Mr. Jargo, not to correct you, but it is the fastest half-assed half hour in all of sports talk. It is hashtag HTM Sports. Well, you know, you talk about half-assing it, and I guess that's the place to start. Let's talk about Peyton Manning. Yeah. Because half-assing it and Peyton Manning, those two things absolutely go together. Well, no, not really. Um, Huckleberry, this report came out yesterday that Peyton Manning is being courted to be the new general manager of the New York Football Jets. Now, Adam Gase, the new head coach there, he was hired back in January. He is now the acting interim general manager. He was named head coach on January 11th. He has a three-year record inside of the NFL of 23 and 25. He's already trading players and cutting players and signing punters, and it seems as though this is somebody that the Jets are going to want out of the building real quick. What do you think of the potential of Peyton Manning becoming a front office executive inside of the NFL? Well, you know, to really start things off here, in no way am I ever going to question, uh, you know, the football knowledge, the ability within that game to evaluate talent, to, to get the best out of players, to understand systems inside and out. Uh, question someone like Peyton Manning, but we are talking about a very different beast when you're, when you're entering into that general manager's role. Now, obviously, you know, that general manager's role too. I mean, you're more of on that legal side. I mean, you got to understand all your contracts, how everything's kind of playing together and he'll have a tremendous support team there surrounding him. And, and I'm sure that if he was willing to take on such a task that the Jets would, you know, they would be wise enough to realize he's going to need that support. So it makes me wonder, you know, is this more of just like a publicity stunt maybe by the Jets to try to get some attention back there in in the division? I ultimately don't know if this is something that he wants, you know, looking at to jump big into that role. Let's look at some other big names, you know, that we've seen kind of flop and some that have been successful. I guess one that is kind of we'll, we'll look at your your Lakers. Magic Johnson, tremendous name that had, you know, when it comes to basketball, you know, has that mindset, you know, has all of that know-how of a Peyton Manning, but absolutely struggled there in with the Lakers. On the other hand, you know, the most comparable that we're getting here with Peyton Manning is John Elway. Right. But I guess my question is, other than Peyton Manning, how good has John Elway really been as the general manager for the Denver Broncos? Well, it, 
they're regularly, you know, it's in a, they're in a tough division. It's been very competitive. So they're, they're regularly, they're there competing. They've been to the play, they've advanced in the playoffs quite a bit. And, and it just, it, it does speak to how difficult it is to win a championship. And Denver was able to go out and do that. But here's one thing with John Elway, you know, he didn't just jump into a general manager's role. He had, some, you know, on the job training with the crush of the arena league. So he understood how the office was working and such before taking on such an undertaking, you know, such a, a huge job with all those responsibilities as he did with Denver. And, and you know, overall, I mean, you're, you're in the hot seat. You're Peyton Manning. You're going, you're going into the AFC East. You've got that boulder back on you with the Patriots. Can yeah. you beat, can you beat Brady and Belichick now from your cozy office spot? You know, instead of trying to do it on the field where he, you know, so often struggled. Does he want a headache like this? I mean, he, he's already being courted for the Monday night, Sunday night football where they want to use his knowledge there. Spot. He's got easy, easy travel, great pay. You yeah, know, it's I, a much I better was, gig. It really, if I'm him, I'm making a phone call and having a long conversation with somebody like John Gruden. Yeah, there. The, the analyst spot on ESPN Monday Night Football, especially since Gruden has left, is one of the best paid positions in all of sports. I just don't see why Peyton Manning would want the headache, let alone in a market like New York. And like you said, going up against Tom Brady again, and you talk about the support system, it's the New York Football Jets. I mean, let's face it, they're not the most storied franchise at this point. You're still the number two franchise just in New York. I'm, I, just, I don't think this is a good idea. The entire, I mean, when you think of the franchise and the history, I mean, you have one moment, and that's that's Joe Namath calling the shot at the Super Bowl, and that pretty yep. sums up. That is the, the start and the end of the New York Jets. And, and just, you know, another great point that you made there, Jargo, is you're not even going to get the full respect in your city. Just not even in football, you're number two. Then we really start laying it down. I mean, I mean, where do you want to start? I mean, you're down the pecking order. Maybe, maybe you're competing with the Mets. If you're Sam Darnold, do you want Peyton Manning running the team right now? I mean, you're a second-year quarterback, and you're going to bring in arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to come in and head the franchise, which is still rebuilding, even though they've went out and they've got their franchise quarterback. Like, the Jets should be further along than they are right now. You've only got that rookie deal for Sam Darnold for so long. Now is not the time to be changing around the personnel. Now is the time to be bringing in personnel that makes you better. You know, I'm not seeing just, it. You know, another thing here too, and it, it is such a hey, it's a rough job. It's it's harsh. I mean, oh, yes. and you got to and you got to play hardball, especially in New Manning, York. If I'm Peyton Manning, you know, just keep on being Peyton Manning. You know, the lovable character that we all know. Go through the television for football. Keep up with all your commercial spots. It just and in that way, you're going to remain relevant. I'd like this idea a lot more if it wasn't the New York football Jets and if it wasn't a general manager's position straight out of the gate, if it was some kind of a a consultant role, I could absolutely see that. I just, I'm not sure that I'm necessarily seeing it out of Peyton Manning. Uh, you brought up Magic Johnson. That's the next place I wanted to go. Magic Johnson, of course, he's had a talk show. He's been a coach. He's been a president. He, he runs a baseball team. But at the end of the day, he just wants to be Magic Johnson. So Magic Johnson quits on Jeannie Buss in public, mind you. She does, he doesn't even notify Jeannie Buss that he's walking around. And now he has taken to ESPN first take to tell all the dirty details. Rick, I, this really, really rubbed me the wrong way. It, you and I have talked a lot. You know, Magic Johnson's one of my favorite performers of all time when it comes to NBA basketball. Hey, Magic, just shut up. 
just if you want to help the Lakers at this point, just shut up. That's pretty much where I'm at with this Magic Johnson thing. You know, I, I'm wondering, you know, if there is a little ill will, you know, maybe not that he was pushed out, but maybe he because he did walk on his own, but he, he felt that was coming. So he decided to make that move himself uh, to kind of set the tone instead of have it set for you. But really looking into this now, we know this grander picture, you know, the, the hierarchy and, you know, who's answering to who and how this system is working in L.A. I, I know you're going to lay it out here for us, but I, I wonder if there's a much deeper issue. And if at the root of this entire thing, it's to cut off the the overpowering, you know, star, you know, star decision maker in LeBron James. Too many damn cooks in the kitchen. That's what I think is going on out in L.A. Wait, and, I, and if I wonder if, you know, that is by design. So that, you know, before when you had just Magic Johnson, LeBron knew who to go to to force his way, to force his style. And in Cleveland, he had the coach under control. I mean, technically, you know, everyone looked at the head coach there as just an assistant to LeBron, and he would go straight to the owner. He knew his direct route to force what he wanted to get done. This way here in Los Angeles, it seems like they're kind of confusing it on purpose so they can all kind of pass the buck and kind of dance around possibly the demands of LeBron James. So Magic took the first take yesterday, and he's talking about how Rob Palenka is trying to position himself for the job of the Los or the presidency of the Los Angeles Lakers, and that Rob Palenka was backstabbing him and talking behind his back. And uh, Rick, this really the way this interview comes across. Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka don't necessarily like each other. The only problem was Rob Palenka didn't get the message. Rob Palenka comes out yesterday and he says, I don't know what Magic's deal is. I've been having conversations with Magic even since he left. I thought things were cool. And Rob Palenka just kind of comes across as this clueless idiot, which I don't think is the case. I, I have a lot of respect for Rob Palenka. Palenka went on to say that he is now in a position where he consults with the basketball staff and then makes suggestions to Jeannie Buss, who delivers her blessing or not. Palenka also consults with Kurt Rambis in his senior advisor's role, and that's part of the problem. Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis are part of the problem here. Here's the Magic or the, the Lakers hierarchy at this point, right? So you still have Magic Johnson, who still has Jeannie Buss's ear. You have Rob Palenka. You have Kobe Bryant. You have Frank Vogel. You have Jason Kidd. You have LeBron James. You have Clutch Sports. You have Kurt Rambis. You have Linda Rambis. Oh, yeah. And then the greatest coach of all time, Phil Jackson, who Jeannie Buss is basically freaking married to. There's too many damn cooks in the kitchen. I like well, I, Jeannie Buss. I like Jeannie Buss a lot, but this thing is a freaking train wreck. That's why I'm, I'm wondering here if there's something deeper in, into play that they have created this chaos knowing that, you know, it's it's an opportunity or, you know, it plays to their advantage when LeBron comes demanding certain things because that that's, that's what star players do. And we know that LeBron is he's not he's not shot away from this in the past. So now he's got this entire network of people moving around. And he, he doesn't really know how to focus in on to get his way. Yep. It's just an absolute train wreck out there. Frank Vogel introduced yesterday as the Lakers head coach. Jeannie Buss didn't even address the media. You ever seen Jeannie Buss back away from a microphone? That's the first time I've ever seen it. And Jeannie Buss doesn't even address the media. Frank Vogel was actually asked by the L.A. media in his opening press conference if he's worried about Jason Kidd taking his job. 
And Frank Vogel goes on to say, he says, uh, he trusts the growing relationship with Jason Kidd, believes in building respect and a positivity on the staff, and he can't worry about looking over his shoulder constantly at Jason Kidd. It's day one. You shouldn't be looking over your shoulder at any. It's day one. The season doesn't even start until October. I, I, I get this though. You know, he gives you he gives a good answer here. Uh, you know, and, and he's gonna he's gonna have to he's gonna be answering this regularly on the weekly, likely, especially as we build up to this thing. It's gonna be daily in the LA media oh, if they don't come out magic. hot. Uh, you're gonna be one hundred. You're one hundred percent right. And especially if, if they can't land a Kawhi Leonard or a Kyrie Irving or somehow pull off an Anthony Davis trade, which I still don't want in Los Angeles, you stupid Laker fans. Jesus. Uh, you know what? They, they can continue to, to fumble the Lakers. I don't care. Uh, that's, that's on you. Uh, just, don't, just don't mess with uh, WoW Wrestling. I'm getting real close to going back. You know, when uh, Jeannie's brother was running the Lakers, I, I quit calling them the Lakers. I started calling them the Fakers, and I'm getting real close to going back to that. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. We do have your NBA playoff update. Last night, well, no, not last night. Yeah, no, last night. When did the, when the hell did the Raptors and Bucks play? No, that was Sunday night, the double Sunday OT night. game. Yes. Too many damn wrestling shows and too much basketball. I don't even know what day of the week it is half the time. The Raptors show a little bit of life. They know what day of the week it is as they take out Milwaukee 118-112 in double OT Sunday night while we were stuck watching Money in the Bank because we had to review it at hackerhameen.podbean.com Monday morning. Bucks still lead 2-1. to one. Rick, are you buying this? Are the Raptors actually going to turn this thing into a series? Can they win game four tonight in Toronto? Or do you think this is just prolonging the inevitable? Well, I was going to say, if you if you're a fan, you enjoy the Eastern the Eastern Conference. If you like their basketball, uh, settle in because this is your championship. And I think I, I think this series is going to be it's going to be an exciting one. It's going to kind of have that big game championship feel right down to the finish. And I think you know, up there in Toronto, they've got that star now. They know they're playing for it all. I mean, this franchise has been so close. It had been devastated so many times, even with, you know, with the great shot that Leonard hit there in the, uh, in the Philadelphia series to advance them on U.S. Then, you know, is, has this solidified him as a megastar? I mean, will he live in, you know, in legend forever there? And I told you, I think they, they've got to get to the finals. I think they sense that and they are going to, they're going to fight with everything they've got. And the same thing for the Bucks. You know, they realize how talented they are in these opportunities. That they don't come along very often. They, they both want to get there and have that opportunity to, you know, maybe catch a break, catch what you know, catch lightning, if you will, in the finals uh, and shock the world. The good news for the Toronto Raptors is Kawhi Leonard is playing out of his goddamn mind. Thirty-six points, nine rebounds, five assists the other night. Mark Gasol. Even stepping up, putting up 16 points, 12 boards, and 7 assists. Rick, I think this is bad news for Toronto because they had to have that performance out of Mark Gasol and Kawhi Leonard to beat the Bucks in double overtime at home on a game where Giannis only goes for 12 points. He has 23 rebounds in one game, 23 rebounds for the Greek Freak, 7 assists. 
if if you, it's taking you double OT to take out the Bucks when Giannis only scores 12 points and you're getting 16 points and 36 points from Gasol and Kawhi Leonard, you're in trouble because Giannis isn't going to go for 12 points very many nights. Well, you know, it, this is this is playoff basketball. This is where you reach down. I mean, you're playing for a championship here. You, you need those performances. And like you said, I mean, can they get it? We're going to see. I, I think we're we're going to see close to it. I, I think the Raptors are going to give you everything that that you want here, and this is going to be an exciting series right down to the finish. I think one of the big things for Milwaukee is their bench. George Hill, twenty four points off the bench Sunday. Malcolm Brogdon, twenty points off the bench. Forty four points off the bench. They got to feel pretty good about that. Even though Giannis only scored twelve. Huckleberry is getting updates. Let's move out to the West. Let's talk about the Warriors and the Blazers. The Warriors put the Blazers out of their damn misery. 119 to 117 in overtime. A sweep for Golden State. Still unbeaten without Kevin Durant in these playoffs. And I believe they're like 31 and 0 in their last 31 games without Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, which just seems absolutely ridiculous. The fifth straight finals appearance for Golden State, the most since the 1966 Celtics. And Rick, Steph Curry goes out and Steph Curry does Steph Curry things. He comes out with a triple-double, 37 points, 11 assists, and 13 boards. But the real story for me, Draymond Green goes for a second straight triple-double, 18 points, 11 assists, 14 rebounds. Does anybody miss Kevin Durant? Well, it, 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 let's start. Let's start here with uh, with Green. Uh, what's really incredible with him is how he can flip that switch. Just you know, when, when when you have KD in there, you know he just be, kind of becomes your enforcer type. He's going to get you. He's going to you know play in the paint, play hard in the paint for you, get you your boards. He's out there. He's irritating the other stars. But you take out you take out Kevin Durant and you go back to you know what Golden State was all about. You know what what built, took this team to greatness. And it, he just flips to switch it and starts giving you these numbers like this. It's absolutely terrifying for anyone that has to line up against these guys. Uh, an interesting point yesterday I heard uh, Colin Coward make, and this was, you know, this really jumped out at me. He was talking about this team, and you know, he had mentioned, let's not forget how great they were before Kevin Durant joined. Was Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant simply added to this team to stop LeBron? That's a hell of a point. It's a hell of a because, I, mean, I mean, they knew how amazing they were, but LeBron, even you know, at that time, he could compete with them, giving you know a, a half-assed crew around him and could hang. So it was like, okay, we need a LeBron stopper. We know we can take care of everybody else with what we got. And Draymond Green was kind of brought in to be that guy. Draymond's just playing out of his freaking mind, man. Who, if you got Draymond Green going out there and giving you triple doubles, you got to be feeling pretty good. Uh, the guy that I question right now is Kevin Durant. How's Kevin Durant feel to see how well this team is playing without him? Is that more motivation to stay in Golden State or is that more motivation to get out of Golden State? Well, it, at this point, you know, it comes down to financials as well. You know, how much? What's the value that's from true. the franchise? Yeah, that's true. Are, are they going to kind? Are they going to kind of short him because they've got you know other players here that are they're stepping up, performing right now, are going to want you know bigger cuts of the pie. They want equal pay on this thing as well. One guy I do want to see get out of Golden State is Quinn Cook because I love me some Quinn Cook. I loved me some Quinn Cook when he was at Duke, and now he is playing backup to Steph Curry. So. 
Quinn Cook, he's not getting a whole lot of playing time, but he was plus 14 in 14 minutes with Steph on the bench the other night. Plus 14. Can we get Quinn Cook a starting job somewhere in the NBA? Like, I will gladly give the Golden State Warriors Lonzo Ball if they will give us Quinn Cook. Well, it's, you know, what we're looking at here, it's quality over, you know, quality over quantity with him. And he's stepping in. He's filling that role. When, when Seth has to go to the bench Killing to rest it. those legs, he is absolutely stepping up. And he's one of those unsung heroes, you know, that, that make this team so great. I mean, you go back and you look at, you know, comparable dynasties, you know, especially with the Bulls. Sure, you had, you know, it was Jordan and Pippen and those guys. But there were so many guys that would come in behind them off the bench. That's that supporting role that just played that part magnificently. And that's what really, you know, kept that dynasty alive for so long. Gotta love that B.J. Armstrong, University of Iowa, represent. Uh, the Blazers, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure how they feel, man, because they went out and they gave this thing a shot. Damian Lillard, 28 points and 12 assists. C.J. McCollum, 26 points. Myers Lenard, 30 points, even though he had a negative 7 differential in 40 minutes. The Blazers with 12 turnovers in Game 4. We've talked about it before. And the thing that's so funny is Golden State turned that ball over 15 times. They can turn the ball over 15 times and still win pretty handily. The Blazers turn the ball over 12 times against Golden State, and you're in trouble. Well, you know, if, if you're Portland, Portland and you're reflecting on the series and the season, uh, obviously you're disappointed. Uh, in, so, in some ways, you're, you're devastated. You know, you, you, you play so hard. It's such a tremendous team to get to that point. But I think you got to keep your head, you know, keep your head held high and keep moving forward. Uh, because there's obviously a major remains a major gap between the Warriors and the rest of even the West, which is you know so heavily praised. And, and you got to start asking, you know, what what puzzles, you know, what pieces of this puzzle do we need to to even kind of close this gap? And as we were talking about last week here on hashtag HTM Sports, I mean, it could be a very interesting uh, free agency with so so many valuable you know key players out there potentially on the move. The Warriors will have nine days off between now and the start of the NBA Finals. Now, normally, and we're going to talk about it in the NHL with Tuka Rask in Boston, I, I, I'm i not necessarily a fan of that much time off, but this is the Warriors' fifth straight Finals. They've been here before. They know what they're getting themselves into, and they need the time off. Here's the scary thing. Nine days off, Ig- Andre Iguodala, Boogie Cousins, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry have nine days to get healthier. Like, I don't think the time off is going to hurt the Golden State Warriors. This is a team that can actually use the time off and get better. Well, the way you laid it out there perfect is perfect, Jargo. And it's a little bit different than hockey. I know we're going to kind of flip those gears here in a moment, which is kind of a great transition. Uh, because in hockey, you know, it, it's the hot mindset. It's the hot hand of that goalie you don't want to cool off. Basketball, you've got that whole team. You want to rest all of those legs. Now, with a young team, you would be a little worried. You know, if we're talking mm-hmm. here that Portland, you know, the Portland Milwaukee had nine days off, I'd be, right. I'd be, they're going to get swept. Little, you're a little worried because, you know, maybe not swept. Well, even, you know, from a management and a coaching standpoint, you're worried about how they're handling their personal lives in those nine days. Don't go outside. Don't, don't get on TMZ. Don't be in the newspapers. Don't be getting arrested, you know, doing something crazy and over celebrating. These guys have been here. This is not their first pony ride. They're they're going to be able to sit back, relax, take care of themselves, and keep that mindset because they know what this is about. So now, at the end of the day, do you feel like Milwaukee or Toronto stands a snowball's chance in hell against the Golden State Warriors? 
because I don't. As I said, as we opened up this little part of the conversation, this is their championship. So if you like Eastern basketball, settle in. Uh, it's going to be an exciting one. But for these teams, uh, this you know what this really reminds me of going back so many years in baseball when you had the, the Red Sox and the Yankees for the AL championship. And then Boston went and played uh, Colorado, I believe. And it was almost like that was just like a, a scrimmage. Like they already had won. The championship was already over. Now you're just playing some bonus games here. How much credit do you give to Steve Kerr? I mean, I, I look at this Golden State roster, and it's just stacked. I mean, we saw Luke Walton got all the credit while Steve Kerr was gone. We saw how the Luke Walton as a head coach thing has worked out. Hopefully he f- fends better well, in I, Sacramento. I think, I think it's, you know, if this team is a reflection of his personality and who he is. I think that's the thing. Um, Steve Kerr is really good at managing big egos. And Luke Walton became the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And we saw what happened. LeBron's ego literally ate him alive. Well, hey, let's look, you know, who he names that Steve Kerr played with. He's been around him. So, you know, That's he kind of sat back and took that in. But, you know, like I said, his personality is this team. He's a fun-loving guy. He seems like he's really enjoying what he's doing. And that, sh- that kind of shines through his players. Let's throw things over to the NHL. Of course, the Bruins basically have had a week off. Tuka Rask sitting back. Hopefully he's got his feet up, spreading out them hips a little bit. Uh, the Blues, though, lay the absolute freaking beat down on the San Jose Sharks. And you, we talked uh, many times on the show about how the Shark Tank gets rocking, man. Boy, you don't want to be in that place. Those people were sitting on their hands. The St. Louis Blues came out. They punched the San Jose Sharks in the mouth right off the bat, and it got them right in the right spot, man. The the Sharks were on the ropes the whole game. They couldn't get anything going whatsoever. This thing was kind of a mess. Blues win 5 to nothing, going back to St. Louis to try to close this thing out. You know, it's kind of interesting here. We were, you know, we were talking a couple weeks ago about who potentially and how advertisers and the, the networks are going to want to represent the, the NHL in the Stanley Cup here. Uh, obviously, you know, we were putting over, you know, just how dominant this Boston team is. And we we're a little worried that they might have too much rest, and, you know, to kind of, you know, you don't want to lose that hot hand if you're goalie. We know all the championships they've, that they've had there. I didn't realize, you know, you think about the, the tradition of the St. Louis Blues that they have never been to a Stanley Cup. Yep. That's uh, crazy, Jose, isn't it? And they've been around since the mid-60s. Yeah. San Jose, who, you know, I, I've always just kind of remembered growing up when I was really into the NHL, you know, was always one of that hot standout teams. Because, you know, they had like the cool look. They had the cool color scheme. But they were an expansion team. And well, they were in awesome. the 90s, 91. But they, they themselves, they have actually been to a Stanley Cup final where they lost. It was just a couple of years ago. So between these two teams in the West – I mean, you've only got one cup appearance, mm-hmm. which simply is amazing to me, especially when it comes to the Blues. You just got to think, you know, for Brett such Hall, a great thought, Brett Hall would have won a cup for such a for such a great sports town uh, who does love their hockey. Yeah, you know what this would mean to St. Louis to get this opportunity. Uh, and, you know, and just add, you know, to the, the two great cities, the legacies between them, where we've seen the Cardinals and, and the Red Sox square off in, in a World Series. And you've seen different versions of, you know, in football, some big games between the cities. Uh, to see this on this level for the Stanley Cup uh, would absolutely be amazing. 
We've talked an awful lot about Tuka Rask on this show because Tuka Rask was a pain in my Blackhawks ass a couple of years ago. But Jordan Bennington, the, the new rookie goalie for the St. Louis Blues, has tied the rookie playoff record with his seventh road win, the second most in NHL history going through a Stanley Cup playoffs. He stopped all 21 shots the other night. Do you buy a rookie goaltender winning the Stanley Cup, though? That is my question. Because as much as the the NHL playoffs are different from the NHL regular season, the Stanley Cup finals are different than the playoffs. Well, you know, you're talking about the pressure, Uh, the enormous pressure. And it's going to be about his support system. And not just those that are on the ice with him. It's going to be about the coaches making sure that he is mentally ready and, and sustainable throughout this thing because it's going to get big. Uh, and I, I have a feeling, you know, it's one of those moments that you know, he's going to almost lose his breath, you know, immediately when that puck drops in game one, if they can get there. But uh, he's going to have to overcome that and they're going to have to have him prepared. I think we're having a great battle between uh, the Blues and, and the Sharks here. But we get that matchup between, you know, St. Louis and Boston. And it's going to be an intense, intense struggle between those pipes. Uh, you know, who who's going to finally who's going to finally break? Do the Sharks have any chance tonight going into St. Louis, or is this thing over? I mean, they've got like four of their starters are freaking injured. I, think, I mean, they're I playing, think, well, but they're beat up. I think we're we're going to see a better performance from San Jose. I don't think we're going to see what we saw the other night in, in the blowout. Uh, but I, I think this one is done, and we're going to be looking uh, forward to the Stanley Cup. And next week, we're going to we're definitely going to be full full go into it. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for watching and or listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find the entire HTM podcast network online at hittingthemarks.com. Find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find me at NotJargo, RBV. We made it, buddy, in a half hour, right on the nose. Hard, hard out. Tell the people how to find you. You can keep up with uh, all things RBV across all social media platforms at the real RBV. And make sure, uh, make sure you're checking that out 24-7. We'll talk to you Friday at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Co- Podcast, hittingthemarks.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!